KDHL. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of KDHL's AM Minnesota program. I have in studio today, sitting somewhat to my left, Senator John Jasinski from Faribault. We're going to go over a lot of information, I think, over the course of the next half hour. Thanks for coming in, Senator Jasinski. Absolutely, Gordy. Always, always fun to come down to KDHL. And uh, you kind of skip school today, right? Well, I didn't skip school. We actually were in session this morning until 1.30 a.m., almost 2 a.m. So I got home here at about quarter to three this morning and uh, put a, took a little nap and came down to be on KDHL. You guys are off then, you're saying? Uh, no, we have meetings today. I'm doing remote. I can do remote. I had some business in town here uh, to do for my real job, my uh, real estate profession. So I came in town and we can re- actually vote remote now. So I'll uh, be going on. I think we go into session at 10. So when I'm done here, I'll go right in and and uh, start doing remote voting, a couple bills up on the floor today. The remote voting probably was implemented during COVID? It was uh, implemented during COVID, uh, so we can still use it. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I think we should be up there every day, but uh, because it is available, we do have, you know, certain things that come up. And, you know, when we were in charge, we pretty much kept Fridays open for us to do our own business because, as you well know, being a legislator is supposed to be a part-time uh, yeah. thing, and so a lot of us have jobs. So usually on Fridays we can try and get back in, into our district either come on radio or do shows or actually get our real jobs done. Uh, this year, unfortunately, that's changed. They're doing us Monday through Friday. Uh, but uh, with remote voting now, when we do have something come up, we can come in and vote remotely. So We hours of this morning, you said uh, one of the things that was passed was the E-12. The biggest segment of the budget is education, right? Uh, no, we had state government. I think that might have been in the House yesterday. We had state government oh, that was up okay. last night. Uh, and that's one that's really frustrating. And I want to talk about that one because... Um, you know, we obviously have a surplus of about $18.5 billion. And uh, if you look at all the other local uh, governments, there's 3,050 between townships, uh, schools, cities, and counties. There's about 3,050 uh, governmental agencies or uh, entities across the state. And if you look at the Department of Revenue website, those their levies, which they're approving, uh, did in November, is really their budgeting for the, for the next following year. If you look at those, they range from an average of 3.7% increase to 8.4, which is, you know, given inflation, that, that seems reasonable. Last night, the Democrat one controlled, uh, party, uh, put up a 39.7% increase in spending in just the state government portion. Uh, it's $449 million new spending. Uh, in the state. So that's frustrating. Uh, that's all going to come down uh, to taxpayers here in Minnesota have to foot that bill. So again, we have an $18.5 billion surplus. And overall, the state budget is looking at increasing $10 billion in more spending. It's it's truly phenomenal what's going on at the Capitol right now. We're trying to stop it, but uh, with little or no control, I think 95% of our votes last night were a 33-34, where we lost by one vote. So Everything they proposed went through. So very frustrating uh, for people in the state of Minnesota, I believe. So you haven't done E through... We have not E-12. done the E-12 budget, yes. Correct. We have not done that yet. I think that's coming up next week. But the House did pass it. The House did pass it, yes. Yep. And it had increases... Yes, it did. You know, included. Uh, inflation one of the ones that, is also included. Uh, inflation, the automatic. automatic inflation now. So they're 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 uh, building that into every budget. It's automatic inflation. You know, we always like to look at zero based budgeting. So every year you look back at the budget and start from zero and say, okay, what do we need? What do we don't need? 
uh, now it's on it's on autopilot because everything is just built in now and, and they voted on that. We did not. We voted against that. But now inflation is included, so it's an automatic increase for every single department uh, there is. So personally, your opinion, John, that shouldn't be included, inflation? That should not be, no. No, we should look at it each year. We can always estimate for that, but we don't have to build it in. So there's two different things. You can look at what it would be uh, versus building it in an automatic. Basically, it's an automatic you know, autopilot for, for their budgets, which is, is frustrating. It's just increasing things. So then each year you don't look at, you know, where we can save, what we can do, look at each, each different program. Is it working? Is it not working? It's just everything is built in. It's an auto inflator and it just continues on forever. There is an ag measure that was passed. I must have been in the house too then. Could have been. We, we have done ag. Uh, that was last week. Um, I don't serve on that committee. So some of those, I don't have the, the details. I do right. serve on state gov. So, I know those details much better than some of the other committees that are coming through. But, you know, the state gov one is the one that's very frustrating. And then going back to E12, you know, the, the, the one of the things is we could really target money where it's really needed. But one of their proposals is, as I'm sure you've heard, is free lunch uh, for everyone, not only lunch but breakfast. So instead of targeting money to the families who need it, now we're going to pay for every single uh, student's uh, breakfast and lunch. And this is so, folks, here in Faribault, uh, we're paying in taxes to pay for lunches in people that live in Edina and Eden Prairie and Minnetonka, everywhere. So why couldn't we use that money and, and target that to the people that need it instead of the shotgun effect where we're paying for everyone's lunch now? It just This is what's going on at the Capitol right now, and it, it's just so frustrating to see what's going on with a one-party uh, rule in, in the Capitol. Well, here's what I don't understand. The inconsistent – this is my own opinion now, mind you – the inconsistency of the message in that they don't want wealthy Minnesotans to get a break in terms of Social Security, but yet they'll pay for the wealthy Minnesotans' school lunches. Yep. I mean, there's, there's no consistency. Yeah, and that, that money could be so much better used by targeting to the actually people who need it. And they could have given the money to the school districts and let them choose who would. You know, that was the other thing. You could have put that money, the $200 million on the formula, and let each individual school district decide what to do. But instead... There, and I've talked to a lot of superintendents in this area and across the state. Talk to a superintendent. The, the, they're, they're talking about record funding for E12, but the record funding includes record mandates. So all the money they're putting into schools requires all these mandates and requirements and things more that they have to do. So they're not going to be ahead as far as education, uh, fixing literacy, things like that. It's just saying they have all this money that's going to school so they can say it, but the mandates that follow it, are what's upsetting. So if you don't believe me out there who are listening, talk to your superintendents, talk to some of those people. It, it's not the way things should be being done here in Minnesota. Yeah, our superintendent of the year in Minnesota, Dr. Hillman from Northfield, was on our this show last Wednesday from Professional Pride, and he said, you look at all of the school districts in the state, they are all financially strapped. There needs to be a change in the formula, but it doesn't sound like that's even being proposed. Well, it was by Republicans while we were, and we were trying to do the cross-subsidy. is the biggest thing you hear, the cross-subsidy for special ed, because a lot of special ed uh, students in across the state with uh, either an uh, individual uh, uh, education plan, IEPs as they call them, that money could be targeted, and they use that cross-subsidy to help that out. But instead, they're putting money on the formula, but then they're putting all these requirements and mandates on how they, how they should be doing things. So, And you get into, you know... A, in a different area, you talk about nursing home, nursing home and things like that. They're putting requirements on staffing ratios in hospitals. They're putting all these requirements, you know, just these one-size-fits-all requirements that 
are just hurting everybody here in Minnesota with, with the mandates they're putting on in, in almost every single area of, of government. Yep, Dr. Hillman pointed out that Edina, Wyzetta, Lakeville, all making cuts along with a Kenyan Wanamingo or a Faribault or a Northfield, yep. which tells you something is wrong. Correct. Yep. And, and in Faribault, you know, Faribault was seeking a from what I heard, some of the enrollments down, so you're, you know, less students, so then you don't get the funding. Um, so that that's happening as well. So we have to look at why that's happening. A lot of people that we see are going to the private schools because they're unhappy with the public education. Yeah. So once they you know leave the public system, that money goes you know goes away from here. It doesn't go with them, uh, but it goes away from the, each individual school district. So the school districts are seeing less money uh, coming to them. So it's 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 a huge problem here in Minnesota. Mount Trinity Lutheran School, I know, is bursting at the seams. I was over there the other day and did a a website story on the on their big celebration of 75 years of being on these airwaves, KDHL. We're going to get a market update here. Jerry will have my hide if we don't do that. So I really would like to have my hide. A lot of you would probably like to have have me lose it. But anyway, (laughs) Three Links Senior Living brings you our opening market report, creating peace of mind in your loved one's journey in Lonsdale and Northfield. Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Nearstrad. Craig helps protect all things near and dear to you. Werner Farm Seed Dundas, quality seed, reasonable prices. Give Paul or Gina a call at 507-645-7995. Soybeans and corn are lower in the early going on Friday. Cattle and hogs are mixed. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. The path to higher yields is now at your fingertips. Download the Stein Seed app today and access valuable in-depth agronomic information, their seed lineups, and more. Soybeans are down on fund and technical selling with beans and meal continuing to liquidate positions due to tighter crush margins and slow export demand because of Brazil's dominance. Any concerns about Argentina's crop and U.S. planning delays seem to be in the background. July beans are six and three quarters lower at 1490 and three quarters. July's down 13 at 1455. May bean meals five dollars fifty cents lower at four forty five eighty. May soybean oils back to seven points lower at fifty four thirty eight. Corn's down as forecast. Do have planning planning delaying weather in parts of the Midwest and Plains over the next several days, but after that, it could be a slightly better pattern. Recent rainfall has benefited Brazil's second crop out of a turn to a drier pattern. May corn's four and three quarters lower at six fifty nine, and July's down a dime at six sixteen. And wheat's turn lower with rain in the forecast for parts of the central and southern plains, but really, how much can it help at this point? The Black Sea Grain Initiative is in doubt, with Russia calling for an end to sanctions as they continue to wage war in Ukraine. May Chicago's down four and a half at 663 and a quarter. Oversold, most active July cotton's up 35 points at 80.44. And nearby rice is up on the unwinding of spreads. July's nine and a half higher at 16.98. Live cattle are down and feeders are up with some influence from corn ahead of widespread ahead of uh, this afternoon's on feed numbers. June lives down 60 at 163.75. August to 62 lower at 162.80. August feeders are up 35 at 229.87. And hogs are mixed, adjusting spreads. June's up 52 at 85.65. July leans 27 higher at 88.42. John Perkins. Brownfield. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Other KDHL agro boosters include Northland Buildings, quality post frame construction. Head to NorthlandBuildings.com. Ag Partners, Morristown, hiring part and full time positions. You might want to give them a jingle if you're in the market for a job. 
Insulation Services Incorporated. Contact Nate there. Discover all the advantages of spray foam or blow-in insulation. My, oh, my. Krennic Stump Grinding Ferrable. You can contact Chris at 491-2948. 491-2948. Or go online at Krennic. That's K-R-E-N-I-K. Stumpgrinding.com. K-R-E-N-I-K. Okay, Senator John Zizinski of Faribault is our guest in our spacious, beautiful studios here off Central Avenue in downtown Faribault. He was working in the wee hours of the morning. What did you say, 2 o'clock? 2 a.m. this morning. That is correct. And you drove home? I did. I was, uh, you had to be a little groggy. I needed, I needed 50 minutes to calm down, so I, the drive was nice versus trying to go to my St. Paul apartment and try to get to sleep after that. So th- sometimes that 50-minute that drive with a little music can relax you and make you sleep a little bit better. So I, And I'd rather want to get home last night so I could be on the radio this morning and, and, and go into it right away. So, Well, did you roll the window down to stay awake? or? Oh, no, I was, I was awake. Because of what was happening in St. Paul. Yeah, just, you know, the, the frustration with, with, with what's going on at the Capitol. There's a lot of people that are frustrated. You know, like I said, most of the votes last night were a 33-34. So, uh, again, going back to the election, you know, we lost in the Senate by, by one race of 318 votes. And uh, now because that's happened, there's full one-party uh, rule here in Minnesota. And 49% of the people are not being heard right now at the Capitol because they, they believe they have a mandate. Uh, governor said it in his state of the state address that there's a mandate uh, to do all these things and get them done now and was rather arrogant about that. And they're pushing things through uh, their big, uh, big uh, comment is there's no more gridlock in Minnesota. You know, well, with one party control that there shouldn't be, they can do everything, they're ever going to do everything they want. And, and again, that's the frustrating part because greater Minnesota is really being ignored by a lot of what's happening right now. And, and that's 49% of Minnesota that, that's being ignored. And, and that's the frustrating part. So when you see things happen like that, you see the, the what they're spending in money uh, with an $18 billion surplus, it gets frustrating. So it's not, uh, it's not as uh, uh, enjoyable as it used to be for my first six years. The first six years we were getting things done. We were compromising, working across the aisle, uh, working with the House and the Senate and kind of a, the way it should work. And with one-party uh, control or one-party rules, we're now referring to it, it is just frustrating because our voices are not being heard. They believe they have to, a mandate to do everything they want to do, and they're going to do it all right away. So I just hope uh, Minnesotans have a memory when it comes to voting because I'm out in the, uh, out and about a lot here in Faribault, Tonawasika, and I have both people from different uh, ideas, uh, different parties come to me and say, what is going on up there? How can this all be happening? How can they be changing? I mean, they want to change the flag. Uh, you know, this is, they want to put it to a 13 member board to decide what this new flag should look like with no legislative approval. So they're going to make this board. This is the proposal. This is the Democrat proposal, a 13 member board that's going to decide how to redesign our flag. They're going to redesign it and it's going to come back to the legislature by next year and that will be passed without our approval. Now, that's the frustrating part. We're elected by the people to make those decisions. Every single state flower, state bird, you name it, has to be approved by legislature in law right now as it is. And they want to redesign the flag by a board, come back, and it gets approved without our approval. That's the frustrating part. Things like that are are what keep me up at night thinking what is going on. And that's the reason I get so many calls and hear from so many people how can this all happen? 
And this is what, you know, elections have consequences and this is what's happening. And people just can't believe that this can happen. And, and I'm, I hate to say it, but it's happening right now. Is the governor still proposing, I didn't get a chance to hear a state of the state, or at least all of it. Is he still proposing walls checks? Well, remember back, you know, we, with a, with a 18 billion, I'd actually back then it was a 16 billion dollar surplus. We had proposed spending four billion on, on certain things as nursing homes and nursing homes are getting completely ignored. We, we need our nursing homes. We're seeing them close across the state, not only here in Fairwell, yeah. but other areas. They didn't give hardly any funding to nursing homes. But they're spending money on almost every other area uh, there is. And we think that's uh, frustrating. Um, but going back to your first question, what, what Walls check. I, walls checks, thank you. They were proposed at 1000 for a single and 1500 for a family. Now they're down to 275 for a single and 500 I think, 500 or 550 for a family. And that's for, uh, and obviously there's income requirements on as well. So really, it's gone way down. Uh, they had several members that ran on eliminating the tax on Social Security. Uh, that was their running thing across the aisle on the Democrat side. We were going to eliminate that. Now they've backed off on that completely. Now they don't want to do that either. So uh, we as Republicans have been pushing this for several years. I think we started back in 2016 where we got a portion of it eliminated, or 2017, I should say. Only 11 states do it. Yes, only 11 states, and we're one of them. Uh, so we've been pushing to eliminate that, the complete elimination of taxes on Social Security. Uh, this is on our seniors. They've paid it once. Why would we be making them pay it a second time? So we're going to continue. That's our big push that we've wanted for a long time. We really wanted to eliminate or not eliminate, but reduce the first tier income tax, which every single Minnesotan goes through. It's the first $41,000 approximately of income. And we wanted to reduce that from 5.35 down to 2.8. So every single taxpayer in Minnesota would have been affected. So everybody would have got that reduction. And that's ongoing every week, every month, every year, and ongoing. And these walls checks, as he refers them to by himself, uh, would go out to be a one-time. And, and I just don't think that $275 is something that's going to be, you know, it sounds great, but we want something ongoing that's going to continue on. We have a, a structural uh, surplus that's going to continue on. Why not reduce the taxes? And everybody knows it that I hear talk and people are leaving Minnesota and people are leaving Minnesota because the high taxes, we're one of the fifth highest tax states in the nation. And as you well know, you see in people leaving Minnesota last year, we had 19,500 people, residents of Minnesota left the state. And so even in my real estate background with talking with companies and, and executives and CEOs, obviously they look at those things and, and if their taxes are disadvantaged here, disadvantageous here, and there's a better environment somewhere else, that's where they're going to go. Uh, and it, it's a big effect when people uh, build up their wealth over time and they take it somewhere else. It's only going to hurt Minnesota. Why not keep them here? You know, volunteering, the, the, the things they donate and all those things that could stay here in Minnesota instead are going to other states because of our, our tax environment here in Minnesota. So what's your thoughts on the delivery fee? Well, the delivery fee, thank God, in the Senate has uh, been eliminated. Uh, I've been a, a, a big person that's against that. It's a 75 cent deli delivery fee on every delivery we have, uh, from a Domino's pizza to an Amazon package. Uh, so I would like to thank Senator Ann Resch. She is a Democrat. Uh, she's in the Senate, and she just thinks this is terrible. Uh, so it's good to have some of our friends across the aisle that, you know, from the 
I don't want to say the old school, but uh, people have been around for a while. Uh, and she's pretty proud of saying that this isn't going to happen here in Minnesota in the Senate. So it's still in the House version. It's tied up. I'm on that committee. I'm the lead on transportation here. Uh, we were, should have been doing that bill this week, but because of some disagreements on some of those things, it has not come to us yet. So that delivery fee should hopefully go away. And then there was also another tax increase uh, that is part of that that they're holding back on the metro area. There's a metro area a transportation uh, sales tax. It was proposed at 75 cents. Uh, we in the Senate have reduced that to 50 cents, uh, but there's still some consternation on that tax uh, for some of our suburban legislators uh, there. So that's not seeing agreement yet. But they're proposing $4.1 billion in fee increases uh, for transportation. So again, we have an $18.5 billion surplus and they want to increase fees by another $4 billion. So that's frustrating. They're increasing fishing fees, right? Fishing fees, uh, you name it. They're hunting licenses. Hunting licenses. Uh, they're they're going to try and increase the motor vehicle sales tax. So our auto dealers uh, from 6.5 to 6.875. Uh, so, you know, buying a new car is going to be much more expensive. Can you imagine being a car dealer in Moorhead? No. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, go over to well, Fargo. And everybody's gone to Fargo. I can't remember what those populations just were, but but they're losing, more is losing all their population uh, across the border. And our border towns are really struggling. So, you know, let's sell things here in Minnesota. Um, so that uh, they're going to, the license tab fees are trying to increase those costs. They're going to try and depreciate them over a longer time. So your license tabs are going to be higher. They want a $7.50 surcharge on every single license tabs in the state. Uh, so the, the fee increases across the board uh, are crazy, proposing a fifth-tier income tax increase. I mean, they're, again, an $18.5 billion surplus, and they want another $10 billion in, in fee increases and tax increases. So it, it's just mind-boggling up there. John Jasinski, Minnesota State Senator, is our guest today. Any of your bills getting through or not? Uh, yeah, actually, one that I'm I'm pretty proud of is the historic tax credit, which is important here to Faribault and Otana. Uh, as you, as many people well know, the Faribault has the number two amount of historic buildings in the state outside St. Paul. Uh, we've seen a lot of redevelopment downtown. The Industrial Corp's been doing a great job. The Chamber um, and and the EDA are working on on getting some things done here. And those historic tax credits are so important uh, to help with those building remodels because uh, there's a lot of times it's a much more expensive on these historic buildings. Roofs and windows and things are much more expensive. So my bill is the historic tax credit that uh, reestablishes that program that gives tax credits back to people who are fixing up these older buildings. So that's one, and I think that's going to cross the finish line thanks to Senator Arrest as I've been working with there. There's a couple of proposals there. I've been working a lot with the uh, Min Drive, which is used to be the old Minlar system with our deputy registers. Uh, as you well know, or maybe people don't know, deputy registers uh, with the new system have been doing way more work than they used to. They're doing all the front-end work, and now the state is doing less and they can't increase their fees. The only state can increase those fees. So when you go to get your license tabs and you pay your $8 or whatever, those fees are locked by the state. And now when you go in to do those, which is very convenient to be able to go down to the to the DMV here in town and at the Hanscoms and do that, well, they can't raise their fees. So we're trying to get some of those fees to allow them to charge more because they're doing way more work. Uh, we're actually not looking at fee increases. We're trying to transfer the money 
from the state back. It's almost it's called fee sharing. So uh, those costs that go into the state can be shared back to our deputy registers to compensate them for the more work they're doing and the money we're staving at the state by the staff up there. So working on that one, that's the one that we're working to get across the finish line. There's several other projects. Otan has a wastewater treatment plant in the bonding bill, trying to get $11 million for them. I'm, I'm trying to add Medford in. Medford's had some issues with theirs. We're trying to get them connected in a regional system, which makes way more sense. So that bonding bill, as we've heard about a lot, is we, we voted that first one down because we're trying to get some tax relief first. And I think we will get that bonding bill done. So I'm trying to get the, the money for Medford added in there for the $4.5 million. Uh, with CCAS, a water tower and, and a high-pressure zone they need over there. So I'm working on that. So I think I have about 200 different bills. So I, I, I won't go through them all here today, but there's quite a few bills we're trying to get uh, passed. Well, of course. But bonding, where is that sitting? Uh, bonding, we have a bonding bill that was not passed. It's actually on the table, as we call it. They uh, uh, laid it over on the table uh, to get some votes uh, from the Republicans as uh, as we need to give them seven or votes. A bonding bill requires a supermajority, so they need seven of votes from the Republican side because it should be something bipartisan. It's the one bill every year that we can do that requires uh, working together across the aisle. So they have to, we have to make a bonding bill that's acceptable to everybody. Uh, not to everybody, but at least seven of us have to come across to, to say it's acceptable. Uh, and right now they didn't get any votes because uh, because we want that tax relief first, and then we'll try and get that bonding bill across the aisle. But since we uh, did not vote in favor of that bonding bill, uh, the bonding chair in the Senate uh, has we've had I think four meetings now, probably four hours a piece, so sixteen hours. We've had a hundred and ninety-seven Democrat projects, and not one Republican project be be heard in the committee. So she is retaliatory at uh, not hearing our bills because we didn't vote for her bill, which is frustrating. Uh, but hopefully, through our leadership channels, we'll we'll get that bill heard again. Uh, get those changes in, as I said, to try and get Medford included and get that bill across the finish line. But usually the bonding bill is a, one of the last bills that's done in the session because it does require uh, working together. And it's somewhat of a leverage piece because uh, we, we need to get that tax bill uh, done. And then we can, you know, be, if we do see some tax relief that we want for citizens, then we can vote for that bill. So it's it's a little bit of negotiation going on. Didn't I read where they could use part of that uh, budget surplus if they paid cash, they wouldn't need your help? That is correct. If, if they decide to do a cash bonding bill, they can do a cash bonding bill without our votes and they can do all those bills. And, and those are the bills we've been hearing now. And it's frustrating because all those bills in a normal year, we would never fund it. It's for nonprofits, museums, art centers. I mean, all the things that are really, you know, not what is intended for a bonding bill. A bonding bill is really intended for infrastructure. That's your roads, your bridges, your wastewater treatment plants, your water towers, all those major infrastructure. Heaper is a big thing at our colleges and universities between the University of Minnesota and all our, our colleges. That's called heaper money, which is just uh, um, maintenance money, and that's also in a bonding bill. Our money for local roads, local bridges is uh, something that's usually in there as well. And if they do a cash bill with what they're proposing, it's all projects that are just, you know, nonprofits, museums, art centers, things like that, that that are all great. Don't get me wrong. But when we need infrastructure, we, you know, we need to fill potholes and we need to make sure that the, the structures that we own as a state, like our colleges and universities, are maintained. So those are the, the really important things. Especially following a rough winter, we're going to find exactly. some problems on these buildings don't yep. you think? Yes, correct. Yep. And the roads. The roads are, in, you know, one of the other big bills that I'm working on is trying to get some ongoing money for our townships and our small cities. So Morristown's, the Medfords, 
Uh, cities with population less than 5,000 people have no, none, de- no dedicated money for roads. So townships get a little bit, our MSAs, our county state aides, they get some dedicated funding from the gas tax and things like that. But our small cities have no dedicated funding. And they, as you drive through Morristown or Medford, they have those road needs where you get some larger uh, streets that come through town. They need those that money coming in. Uh, so I, I propose dedicated funding for small cities and townships over and above what, what the townships are getting now and all brand new money for uh, small cities. And that so far is in the bill, which is something that I think is very, very important. Uh, we've started back in 2017 when I was there capturing the existing uh, sales tax on auto parts, not a new tax. We capture the tax dollars that come from the sales tax on auto parts and put that money into roads and bridges. Back in 2017, we got that implemented, and it was about 52% of that tax. So we're trying to get that to 100%. So in the bill, as part of my bill, is that we're going to capture 100% of the auto parts sales tax and put that towards roads and bridges. So as you well know, we're, we're seeing a reduction in uh, a gas tax because we're seeing more electric vehicles. We're seeing more energy-efficient vehicles or more uh, uh, miles per gallon you're getting because of the efficiencies. So that revenue has been going down. So if that revenue goes down, there's less money to maintain our roads and bridges. So we either have to put an electric surcharge for the electric vehicles, which we're working on, but right now that's only $75 uh, each year. The average person pays about $229 in gas tax. Uh, so it's much lower than that. So we're trying to increase e- even just the base fee for electric vehicles to 229 to make it you know, somewhat fair because an electric vehicle does just as much damage on the road as a as a gas-powered vehicle. So we're trying to get that equitable. That's why the $0.75 cent fee was proposed, right? Was the to replace some of that? Delivery. Yeah, but can you imagine, I mean, Gordy, across Minnesota here, and especially out here, a lot of our seniors get medical supplies on Amazon or whatever it is. So you're going to put a fee on every single thing, every yeah. Amazon package that comes, or every Domino's uh, delivery box is going to have a $0.75 cent fee, or from Napa Auto Parts out to Harry Brown's, you're going to get a $0.75 cent delivery fee on every single package it's just, you know, increasing those fees. So we just don't agree with that. And, and hopefully that will not end up uh, going through. Well, thanks for coming in on short notice. Appreciate it. You Senator John Jasinski, our guest this morning on AM and